Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Emily Wrightson is a vice president with Comac Retirement Group and has been named a top advisor by numerous organizations and now finally a guest on Money Savage Maximize. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much, George. And this is George Grombacher, and it is time to go. Emily, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Great, thanks. So, well, I've worked in the retirement industry for about 12 years now at Comac Retirement Group. And our focus is really on helping institutional clients structure their retirement plans to help their employees become ready for retirement. The firm was founded about 50 years ago, and we're working primarily with non-for-profits and public governmental plans across the country. Really, our work is focused on reviewing investment options and conducting due diligence um, on, the, on the investments that are offered in those plans, but it's so much more than that. You, you can have the best investment options in the world, but if you don't have employees participating in your plan, then you're really just solving one side of that equation. So we work really hard to look at all components to make sure that they're, um, that you have people in, participating, that the funds are great, um, and that you're really solving for that retirement problem. So oddly enough, I kind of fell into this job unexpectedly. I was never really interested in taking finance classes in college, so hindsight, I, I certainly wish I had, but sure. I focused on what I, what I liked, um, which was psychology and English and what do people do, why do people do what they do, and um, being able to communicate well has helped me for sure in my career. So I moved to New York City, um, and after several interviews in, in different industries, I realized that I, I didn't want to be in those, in those roles. Uh, they weren't for me, and I came across a position in, in finance at Kamak, and I applied, and I've been really fortunate that I kind of fell into this job because I love what I do. Nice. I think that that's awesome. And you know what? Looking back on, on the the studying you did at college probably served you better than just learning about boring old finance stuff because we can always learn <laughs> that. And, of course, I'm sort of kidding. But you can, maybe not really. Who knows? But I, I I definitely agree. I mean, you can offer people the best investments in the world and the greatest plan, but if you're not, if they're not actually taking advantage of it and putting money into it, then I guess that sort of missing the boat on that. So, just really, I guess, sort of talking about um, before before we, uh, we 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 jumped on the uh, on the show today, I was thinking, you know, it's like it's I think it's a matter of inertia, right? If somebody's doing a great job saving money, how do you make sure that they keep doing it? And if somebody's not doing a great job with their money, I guess, how do you stop them from doing it? And, uh, and I think that's probably one of the, uh, one of the challenges with your work, right? Is just getting people to keep doing great things or change less than optimal savings behaviors. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, inertia is a real thing. Um, and you'll see it, you'll see it everywhere and you see it not just in retirement savings, but across you know, other things. People get busy and 
um, they just don't take action and they're overwhelmed, especially something complicated like saving for retirement. They don't know where to start. So that's where a plan provision like automatic enrollment, um, putting, you know, just defaulting everybody into the plan um, on their date of hire, or we've also worked with clients who have done re-enrollments where they've just gone back and swept their entire population in, um, can really just take your uh, participation rate up to, you know, 90% or so, um, because it's in all of the studies and all of, and all of, um, the research that's been done, people just really don't opt out. So, you know, there is a threshold for that. Um, and you mentioned before, how do you keep them saving? Because defaulting somebody into a plan at 3% of their compensation, 3% is not going to get you there. So that's where auto escalate comes in and increasing automatically their savings rate every year can really help um, buoy up their retirement uh, assets. So those are really two things that we've seen work really well. Um, throughout the industry. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And just the name themselves, uh, I think that any time that something is a problem, the more that we can make things a process, then that sort of makes it not a problem anymore. And I think everybody listening probably understands that. It's like if I have to be thinking about doing this and actually manually do it on my own versus it's just going to happen on its own, the odds of me being successful with it are probably way higher. So... So when we talk about auto enrollment, I think it's it's probably a pretty obvious thing. But and 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 you mentioned it. That just means that when somebody signs up or comes to work or after a certain amount of time, they automatically get put in the plan. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. And so it's um, usually done for new hires. So new hires will come in, and they're you know they have a certain amount of time before they're put in the plan. Um, but again, you could go you know as a plan sponsor, you could go back and you could sweep your entire population um, of employees in and I've worked with many clients that have done that and done that successfully so um, and there's no there's often a lot of concern about pushback there that employees are going to be angry that you're that you're taking their money Um, and often people people are really grateful and and thankful because they they come back and say well I wouldn't have had this if you hadn't helped me do it so making things easy and simple for people um, as you mentioned is so key because People just don't have time, and, and they they don't have the um, you know they don't realize maybe how important it is and how how important and it is to be timely about it and, and get that money in there quickly. Yeah, that's that's such a that's such a fine line to walk, right? Of when you do auto enroll somebody or this re enrollment, you know, you just make the decision. Um, that maybe in 2020 we're going to re-enroll everybody at at five percent of their of their income into the plan. It's just automatically going to happen. Obviously, the you don't just do it without telling people, right? You 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 do let them know that this is probably going to be happening probably a lot of the time. But the fear is 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 what that people are going to be mad. Yeah, that people are going to be angry, and that really never that you know, people can opt out. So you get a notification that's sent out approximately 30 days before the auto enrollment happens. And if the person doesn't want to have money deferred, they can go in in advance and they can stop it. They can also turn it off at any time or they can adjust their deferral percentage or, you know, contribution rates up or down. So there's, it's not a, you know, 
a binding thing that is definitely going to happen. The, the participant, the employee still has that choice there where they can go ahead and take action and, and have that control. But you see, uh, most people don't. Most people just allow the enrollment to happen automatically. And, and some do opt out, but um, you're going to capture so many people and, and help them save through that method. Yeah. Because you just don't see a lot of pushback and you don't see a lot of people opting out. So this might be one of those examples of th- something that it actually sounds hard and then does easy versus it sounds easy and, 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 and does hard. Um, and when you look at all the studies and everything else, I think it's it's nothing but a good thing. But the fear of so many companies, at least from, from my experience, is that they don't want to be viewed as being maternalistic or paternalistic mm-hmm. or maybe like one or two people or one or two percent or even five percent of their population might get upset when in fact they're doing such a great service to the vast majority of of their people yeah that's that's absolutely the concern and and um, again you don't really see that happen um, because it, you can always tell them hey you can opt out from this this is to benefit everybody and we want to make sure that you're saving not sometimes these programs also have a match contribution too so it's it's generous of the organization to put people in the plan to make sure that they're getting this employer match contribution um, as well. Right. That's like one of the, I would imagine, one of the golden rules of, of or part of the conversation to talk with people about. It. It's it's essentially free money that you're leaving on the table if you're not if you're not putting in your contribution that will get you the the match that the employer is trying to give to you then you are really missing out but maybe that's a matter of the light bulb doesn't turn on until after maybe you know a couple of pay periods and people are looking at their balance and they're like oh my gosh look at all that look, look at all the money that I've accumulated and then to your point it is then they're 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 grateful that you sort of help them to to realize it yeah, absolutely. The match, you know, and, and getting people in the plan is so important. Um, you know, we've seen just when you look at a plan, sometimes we'll take over a new a new program and their participation rates are, are really low um, and they're looking for a way to kind of inform people of this benefit or get people enrolled and um, just had a lot of success with people, with clients and plan sponsors putting this kind of provision in their program. Got it. And in terms of auto escalation, is there a, is there sort of an industry standard or a best practice on, on how that works? Yeah, so it's normally 1% each year. So let's just say the most, the most common auto enrollment default standard is 3% of compensation. So okay. if you use that, um, now some, so that's just the most common. Um, a lot of people, I mentioned before, 3% is not going to be enough. So when you couple that with auto escalation, you can auto escalate one percent each year up to a max of ten. That's that's the law at this point, and that may change, but that's that's what it is right now. So, um, and again, these people could opt out every year. They get a notice, January one or whatever the date is. Um, you're going to be auto escalated by one percent. You can opt out if you want to. Um, if not, this is going to automatically happen, um, and it just bumps them up another percent. I've had clients too who have gone back and say every year it's an interesting twist on auto enroll, um, but every year they re-enroll everybody. So they they view it they view their retirement plan similarly to their health their health program and they say every year you've got to make a choice, and if you don't make a choice, no, we're going to put you in the plan. 
So that's been an interesting spin on um, on the auto enrollment to really make sure people are saving. Um, you've got to opt out every year, say no every year. Right. Which definitely makes sense to me. So, and how how has the the the, the feedback or the just like I guess the success of auto escalation been? You know, I think people are more inclined to, uh, from a client perspective, to just put in auto enrollment. They have been more, at least in my experience, there's been more hesitation around auto escalation, and there's been more like, okay, we're going to take the first step in auto enroll, and we'll consider auto escalation at a later date. And I would say just do it all at once. Um, you know, just put that process in place um, because you often find you'll have all of these people in at 3% and then they just inertia takes hold again and five years later they're all at 3%. So um, the auto escalation pr- provision is a really good complement to that to prevent that from happening. But I don't see it used as much as auto enrollment itself. And auto enrollment, though, it hasn't really been that popular for that long, has it? No, it's definitely picked up. It's picked up recently um, as there, there's been a greater push towards helping people save and, and more concern over the fact that you know, people really don't have pensions. Like the generation, you know, our parents, our grandparents have this secure, uh, more secure retirement and understood what was going to happen and, and that they were going to be taken care of. And, and there's a lot less of that. There's a lot more uncertainty in this day and age where people just aren't aren't saving enough or maybe don't don't know how much they need to save. Um, so it's definitely picked up as employers are realizing the cost of a employee who is, you know, hitting age 65 and can't retire. The cost on the organization from a health perspective, um, you know, and they can't bring in a new hire um, because you know their workforce isn't retiring. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of interesting byproducts of of this, and it sort of seems like, to your point, you know, our, our folks and or depending on how old somebody is, your parents or grandparents had pensions, and now it's a whole a couple of generations of folks that that I guess the light bulb hasn't turned on yet, or we haven't figured out that uh, this is going to be totally up to us. But we, it, it's clear that that we need help, and so plan provisions like auto enrollment and re-enrollment auto escalation um, probably are going to become more and more and more popular as people figure out that it just makes sense from a psychological standpoint to, to nudge people along so yeah absolutely friendly nudges Emily friendly nudges <laughs> exactly exactly so so to 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 that point of you know recognizing that that many of us again probably weren't taught a lot of these things in school um, what what can participants do um, on their end to become more successful with uh, with with saving for retirement? Yeah, well, I would say that you know, keep in mind that um, you know you have control, and this is your life, and it's really important. Um, I would do kind of three things. I would take a look at your cash flow. Um, so just understanding how much money is coming in and going out each month from your accounts, and a lot of people. Um, a lot of people, you know, will pay pay some of their expenses via cash. You know, maybe you'll pay, you know, your coffee in cash. Um, I like to do everything on credit card. Do everything on credit card for a month so that then you can track it. And it makes it really easy to see where is my money going. And then review it. 
I have so many friends out there that have, you know, these reoccurring charges. Maybe that gym membership they never use or Netflix or maybe you can go in and you can say, huh, you know, I didn't realize I was spending so much on these subscription services or for me personally, my Amazon addiction. Um, <laughs> understanding, you know, where your money is going. Are there any services you're spending money on that you don't need or you could reduce? Um, because a lot of people say to me, I can't afford to save. You know, I don't, I can't afford it. I've got all this other debt. I've got student loan debt or I'm trying to save for a car or a house or what, what have you. Um, but it's really important to get started saving. Um, so look and see where, where your money's going. That's kind of step one. And then step two is, you know, talk to your benefits team at your job and understand what benefits you have available to you. Um, and, and ultimately ask about your retirement plan and understand that. You don't need to understand the nitty-gritty and all the details of your plan, but you need to understand some common provisions. You know, is there an employer contribution? How much is it? When are you eligible? Um, how much do you have to save to, to get it? Um, and then save in your retirement plan, and that's a really simple, easy way to, you know, put some money aside. You can also use, there's so many tools out there, um, like savings app, like mint.com, that can aggregate your spending. Um, and help you establish a budget. So some, some tips like that can help you kind of get started on understanding where your, money is, where your money is, where it's going, and how it can work for you. Yeah, I think that, that's, I think that that is excellent right there. And I mean, I think that we've all been guilty of not really keeping a close eye on on our cash flow and on those recurring monthly expenses. And I know that, that for my family, we went through years ago and I think we cut out like $300 in, in recurring monthly expenses. And that's a, that's a meaningful amount of money. So it's yeah. understanding that. And then, and then, like you said, making sure that you understand the key, really key drivers of your retirement plan at work, understand what the match is and make sure that you're working. If you if you can't get to that number right away, work to get there over a couple of years. So a lot of important things there. I love it. Well, Emily, you just gave us a couple of great tips right there, but Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? I would say time is your friend. Um, I think, you know, don't wait. Don't wait to save. Don't wait to get an understanding of where your money is going. Um, it's so important that that idea and that concept of compounding and, and that's that your money goes into the market and then it grows on itself and it continues to grow um, based on that. So it's even something as simple as adding 1% more of your paycheck to your 401k or your 403b plan and increasing that amount each year can make such a big difference in the long run. So don't wait. It's so easy to get overwhelmed um, with your finances and everything you want to do and life in general. So, um, you know, my suggestion is to write a list of everything that's out there from a goal perspective. Um, you know, what do you want to accomplish? Where are you? And for each of us, that, that list is going to be a little different. And then prioritize that list so it's not so overwhelming and then slowly check it off. Um, but that, you know, there's, I think you had mentioned it before, but I think we've got a generation of people who aren't as financially literate um, and, and I think that's a detriment from our education system, not having, you know, those programs in place at a high school or even a middle school level to teach people about finance. So it's, you know, take, take control of your life, take control of your finances, and remember that time's, time's on your side. 
Like, that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Emily, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So you can check out www.kamakretirement.com. That's C-A-M-M-A-C-K, retirement.com, um, for more information about Kamak and the services we provide to plan sponsors. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Emily your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to Kamak Retirement, C-A-M-M-A-C-K, Retirement. Check out all the great resources they have on the site. Thank you again, Emily. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!